0: Morena, no mai kiti korero. welcome to the catch-up on Manawatū People's Radio Tereo Irorangi o Natangata Tangata o Manawatū. It is a Friday morning and that can mean only one thing on the catch-up. Uh, we invite uh, Mema o Parimata o Papayoya into the studio. Uh, tangi utakere atamaree to you. Morena Fraser and the listeners out there. Yes, indeed. Um... It's it's been a busy old week for you. You've been you've been ushering politicians into Palmerston North. Some people probably wouldn't <laughs> like that notion, but um, yeah, tell tell. Well, the, the, yeah. I mean, the important one, I suppose. Uh, Prime Minister Jacinda Ardern
1: was here visiting pa- and opening Papayoya Place. She was. So it has been a busy week, and mm. of course, this is the first of three weeks where we were in recess at <laughs> yes, the moment. Yes, meant to be um, So next week I am taking the week off. Right. But um, this week has been a busy week. And, yeah, so on Tuesday we had the uh, Prime Minister visit and uh, part of that visit in the morning was a, a trip to Papeiawea to look at the uh, new social housing development there that the council have been leading out on. And so just undertook an opportunity to um, have a look around, meet with residents, um, and obviously open. Yes, um, immortalised
0: in a plaque. Uh, the, yeah, the yeah.
1: And, and it was really nice that she'd invited um, a couple of residents there to unveil the plaque with her. So, um, you know, I've been to a few plaque unveilings uh, lately and it's always quite different how they pan out but uh, I think it was meant to be her and the mayor unveiling it and um, the mayor took a seat and she invited a couple of residents to come up and and they were just delighted. What
0: was it it they used to say about aspiring politicians? they turn up to the opening of an envelope. Some might, (laughs) yes. Some might. <laughs> um, so yes, yeah, the, the the Prime Minister here. I mean, uh, uh, it'd be difficult to manage the headlines on that one because obviously we're in a housing crisis and the government is being encouraged to deal with the housing crisis and yet here she is opening a phase of development of council-run social housing.
1: Yeah, and of course it's, it's council-run social housing and there are two things around that. One is that um, central government did provide over $4 million worth of funding towards that mm. um, and secondly, it's also... So I guess an acknowledgement that Palmerston North City Council locally is still in, uh, the social housing game. Well, more and than in. So because yeah. they've doubled their, their provision of budget which, to $14 million. Which so, does
0: make the, the government's $4 million contribution look a little on the weak
1: side. Well, I mean, we're talking about $4 million last year, whereas the decision by the council to move to $14 million was in the last month. Mm. So um, it, it was a great opportunity to identify the commitment from central government to a project locally. But also, actually, um, the commitment of councils like Palmerston North uh, in continuing to provide in that space. And the Prime Minister also acknowledged that um, to the Mayor and also those in attendance, um, just congratulating Mm. the the council um, on the work that they've done. And actually, you know, where we look around other parts of New Zealand where other councils are either choosing to, you know, make a call on that or are not in that space, Mm -hmm. that Palmerston North is in a different boat is. um, is, is something that we should be acknowledging.
0: Papaioya Place looks lovely. It's it nice uh, and vibrant, and, and there is a sense of community there, so much so that the community have demanded a, a community, community lounge, sure. yeah, which right. uh, is going ahead as well. Uh, in stark contrast, I would say, to the vast majority of Kaingora. State housing, the government-run social housing, which often looks a bit in disrepair. I know there are some new builds going on in Palmerston mm-hmm. North at the moment, but I mean not on the same scale. Is 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 a place something that should inspire Kangora for new development?
1: Well, I look at Papayaoia Place, and you're right, it is vibrant. Um, the, the, the units themselves are connected. There's a community, a sense of community, a real sense of community about the place. They meet the minimum standards for healthy homes, so they're, they're dry and warm. Um, and I think Kang order, you know, I won't shy away from that. I, I think there is an expectation there. Um, actually, the Prime Minister referred to that in the comments when she was asked about the the housing standard out at Linton because Mm -hmm. we went there further in the afternoon. And, you know, we set those standards. We expect the government to um, abide by them as well. And and so kāinga Order I think, need to be thinking about how they can be firstly acquiring land, providing housing. You know, the government's decision to effectively open up loaning Mm -hmm. ability to uh, finance some of the builds for kāinga Order is really important. So I'd like to think that it is a standard um, that kāinga Order. Should be looking at, and, and I know that Kanga order were there mm-hmm. uh, on Tuesday, and so I'm hopeful that it gives them some ideas, and I, I certainly have an expectation as a local MP that you know the Kanga order uh, properties and houses that are being redeveloped, that are being built, um, that are being refurbished, um, do meet the minimum standards because that's what we expect as a government.
0: Uh, if one politician wasn't enough, you've uh, also brought Aisha Veral
1: to the to the city as that, well. That's right. So yesterday um, I hosted um, Aisha and so you know we had some visits in, in the morning around the research space because she is the minister responsible for um, science research and, and innovation. Um, she's also the Minister for Seniors. Um, and obviously, she has a really important associate health portfolio. And if you look back over the last, you know, week or two, you'll see that there are a number of announcements that she's made in terms of improvements to maternity, um, the review of Kainga, not Kainga, of Tamariki Ora Well mm. Childbeing uh, services. There, you know, the um, introduction of folic um, acid into bread, which we talked about last week. So she is uh, a fellow class of 2020 inductee. So we were both elected at the same time, and and she is. Uh, in the she cabinet. got a ministership, and you she, didn't. And she is uh, she is a fantastic cabinet minister, not yep. just a minister, but a cabinet minister. And you know, I I I talk to people about her background. You know, she has a um, epidemiology. Uh, you know, vaccination. I tell you, when I have an issue that I just don't quite understand in that health space, um, and and you know, around the vaccine rollout or something. I ask her um, and she she breaks it down for me so mm-hmm. I can understand it and you know when you see her de- delivering her press conferences and the like she is able to explain things in a way that people can actually understand. Ah, the school and, teacher in you
0: must be very pleased.
1: Oh, I'm extremely pleased you know and I said that to her um, last week we were both <coughs> at the wedding of, of our colleague uh, Sarah, Sarah Pallet at Parliament and I, I thanked her again for that mm. so um, yeah it was great to have her here um, I have a monthly coffee and politics opportunity for people to come along and so she she used um, last night as an opportunity to, to to you know to talk about her portfolios and, and what 's been happening, so yeah some really good strong visits and later today i 'll be down at the local government New Zealand conference um, stepping in for the minister and Mahuta for the excellence awards um, that are being announced. Um, there uh, in the evening. So it's been a busy old week, but mm. um, we've got our ministerial flavour amongst it all. Uh,
0: we are here with Tangi Utikere, mema Oparimata for for uh for the catch-up. Remember, if you want to listen to this or previous editions of the catch-up series, head to the website npr.nz forward slash show forward slash catch-up. I'm going to try and be fair on, the, on this next one, Tangi, and put it down to... Um, Uh, a a lack of, not accountability, but maybe explanation. But I will say, and and this is true of any government, whatever colour it might be in power at the time, if someone said to me, Fraser, did you hear that the government just gave $2.75 million to the mob? I would go... That doesn't sound right to me. And maybe do a bit of research, and as we and you can explain what the actual situation is. But it is not as clear cut or as silly sounding as that. And yet, not only are members of the public, some of whom who are acquaintances of mine, whom I respect greatly, saying, "Have you heard the government have given almost three million to the mob?" The opposition continue to say that too, as well. Uh, This must be frustrating.
1: (laughs) It is frustrating. Um, And, you know, what I find immensely frustrating is the level of misinformation that's out there. And and not just around the issue that you've just touched on, but even around the vaccine. And we've talked about that before. Mm. But, you know, the reality is that here in New Zealand, we have an issue when it comes to methamphetamine. Now, I've seen that in my former roles, you know, you know, others know that I've been involved in the criminal justice system. I've sat out at prisons, not just here, but around the district as well. I have seen the impact that methamphetamine have, not just on individuals, but on the Afano and the wider community. And so what this government is focused on is addressing that issue. Um, and, you know, I hear of, well, it's direct money to the mob and, and all of these sort of <coughs> conversations. This is, this is not an opportunity to finance criminal offending and activity. This well, is actually... I mean, it's
0: not going to the mob. It's going to a program that yep. piloted a uh, meth amphetamine rehabilitation right. and Walk's recovery faith. program. This has been signed off by the police commissioner of Rotorua, I believe, or the, 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 the regional inspector, whatever his job title is. The, the, there is a slew of evidence and accountability things that go. It's not going to the mob. Yep. Yes, yep. there are people in this program leading it who have mob affiliations. affiliations. Affiliations, some of them quite close, some of them quite recent, but it's
1: not about that. It's about the program. It is, and when you look at actually who's endorsed this program, this is a cross-government agency, and then some Mm. level of support for the program. You know, I mean, as I've said, the 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 fundamentals, the bottom line is we want to address this issue, Mm. and I would like to think actually that people would be supportive of, one, wanting to address the issue, and two, doing it in a way that actually meets the needs of people on the programme. So
0: the, the I think the more justifiable uh, criticism here is, why not take that model that is proven to work and set up a new group without mob affiliation?
1: Well, I mean, that may very well be an option, but I think what this clearly is about is delivering a programme that is meeting need. You know the the fact that there are some connections with um, with the mob is because the very people who are in need of addressing this issue have the connection. We all don't get to choose our whānau and family connection. You know, all of us, if we think really hard, will have some unsavoury connection that we would prefer. Perhaps we didn't, and um, we don't get a choice in that. But what we do get a choice in is the level of support that we can put in place. And, you know, um, some of my own family members make decisions that I don't necessarily agree with, either currently or in the past. But I still love them. I still support them. Mm. And that's what this program is about, connecting with people to help them in their time of need. And so, you know, if it means that it's going to have some connection that some people might see as unsavory, actually, if it's making a difference, then I'll support it.
0: And so what what uh, guarantees can you give to the community that this money will be spent in an accountable fashion and that we will be able to uh, look at that funding, look at the cents uh, and dollars and go, yes, it's all been spent in an appropriate way and here is the impact of it?
1: Yeah, that's actually a really good and important question and it ties in with in the last couple of weeks um, a conversation that the, one of the select committees I'm on ha- has had with the Chief Executive of the Department Prime Minister and Cabinet and it was actually around how, you know, um, officials are often pushed um, or expected to do things differently in order to achieve some really good outcomes but there is still a requirement around accountability and that rests with fundamentally the Chief Executive because it's it 's these agencies that are on the ground signing these off, delivering the program it 's not you know politicians being involved in signing things off, mm, mm. so the expectation is that the accountability mechanism exists and it should exist because this is public money mm. uh, and funding, but that actually lies with the agencies in terms of their reporting lines back. Um, through accountability and identifying how much was spent, what the outcomes were. I'm expecting that a lot of these outcomes will actually be qualitative rather than quantitative um, because of the nature of the issue. But by the same token, there is an expectation that every single dollar that is spent is accounted for. Where's the money coming from? What what ministry is this coming from? Is it MSD? My understanding is that it's a little bit of a – because it's Mm. cross-agency, that it's from a range of different agencies, but I'm not entirely certain who the lead – uh, Funders, because I know the this. MS
0: well. The, the, the MSDs accountability models, uh, as someone who exists in the not-for-profit sector, are pretty uh, robust. Some they're might say tight, over, yes. overbearing, uh, but certainly the accountability model would be there if that's anything to go. Yeah,
1: about. but I mean, in situations particularly where there are pilot opportunities and mm. they're new and they're different, um, then there is an additional level. Or of expectation around mm. that. So, you know, we are all familiar with accountability levels for grants, for example, and the NGO sector more mm. so than others. Um, where there is a new pilot opportunity, those expectations are even higher because you want to be able to Untoven. account for. Yeah, and there's a real need to demonstrate that, you know, the, the money that was committed and therefore spent. Was spent in that area, and it can lead to a direct outcome. So, um, the accountability does exist. It's an expectation that the government expects, um, and we'll see what that looks like.
0: Does this, uh, does the monitoring of that sort of thing fall under what I will call your Jim Hacker portfolio?
1: <laughs> Minister for administrative <laughs> affairs. Well, it's not called that. Governance and administration. Fraser. Yeah, yes. Governance and administration. Um, no, it, it probably doesn't, okay. because it, it falls in a lot of that um, you know social justice corrections sort of area. But health. the
0: mechanism of accountability.
1: Uh, the mechanism accountability for my portfolio is largely across the entire public service, mm-hmm. so we 're looking at some of those long term insights looking at how accountability exists across the public sector, which falls within the um, you know the public service commission so yeah, to a certain extent that will fall within it, but mm-hmm. it probably falls under a pilot scheme rather than the the program specific. You know the the program specific will fall within the portfolio area or areas, whereas the 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 method of accountability at a higher level um, between the Crown or Parliament and the public service does fall within my my the scope of my committee.
0: If there were uh, a few National Party backbenchers present, I'm not going to say Judith Collins because she scares me and I wouldn't say anything to her face that might upset her. But if there were some backbenchers here, uh, how would you address uh, what I would term, and people know me, so, you know, take this with a pinch of salt, the disingenuous politics that are going on here, that this whole funding the mob, funding the mob. How, how, What would you say to a National Party backbencher outside of the House who is investing in this, I think, disingenuous yeah, behaviour?
1: and look, I, I've got some pretty good relationships with some of those backbenchers, not a huge number of them, but some of them. Ian McKelvey? Ian McKelvey's one. Um, Barbara Kurga is another, you know, um, given our, our dual responsibility with select committee. But what I would say is that, you know, to them that it's really disappointing that, in my view, they're focusing on the wrong message here. You know, everyone in our community wants to address this issue. Um, methamphetamine, P addiction is an issue and it needs to be addressed. And so, actually, the focus should be on that rather than scaremongering, rumouring hmm. um, that... Well,
0: that I it, mean, I'm sorry
1: to batter on about this, but it is misinformation. Yeah, it is. Because uh, you're not funding them up. I mean, it's it's quite clear yep. cut. yep. Um and you know you you can say that to a national backbencher mm. um, Some of the Facebook posts and pushes are still out there. Well, we're hoping to get
0: back in touch with Ian McKelvey. He's been uh, AWOL for a few weeks on The Catch-Up, but we are going to uh, start uh, those interviews again. So with a bit of luck, we'll be able to get his uh, input on this. You are listening to The Catch-Up on Manawatu People's Radio. Uh, If you'd like to listen to this or previous editions of The Catch-Up series, head to the website npr.nz forward slash show forward slash catch-up, talking there about the the, the disingenuous accusation that the the government is funding the mob. Uh, Something that I think the National National Party might have a bit more uh, legitimacy in pushing is this demand the debate campaign that they've uh, set up uh, right now, uh, largely in response to Hipuapua, the report uh, on Indigenous Affairs. This was as a result of UN stuff. People can find out more if they want. Uh, But they are, so the National Party are saying that Labour, the Labour-led government, the Labour government, are bringing in uh, a range of uh, legislations that you didn't campaign on, uh, that were not, you know, the, the, commu- the community and the population weren't really sort of consulted by way of election on these matters. But you're bringing them in through the back door anyway to try and realise the recommendations of hipuapua which it, it basically, um, well, actually, I think it should come in screaming through the front door. Um, but uh, I take the point on terms of not campaigning on these issues. And I'm reading from the National Party website, um... Māori wards and local government, separate Māori health authority, education curriculum, water, land, infrastructure, all of these things uh, that have come in in favour – well, they would say in favour of uh, Tangata Fenua, um We should have more debate about these, so they're demanding the debate. Uh, Do you stand by your actions and comments, I believe is the the term that they use in the House, in terms of this process?
1: Look, I I stand by the actions of the government. I stand by the actions of, of the Labour Party in wanting to address inequity. In New Zealand and in our communities, and let's let's tackle some of those yes, that, you, that you touch on. You know, let's start with Māori wards. Um, Māori wards was a decision that I am extremely familiar with, and actually had a student who came to visit me this week who wanted to interview and, and get my sort of thoughts on that. I was very happy to have the conversation with her. But you know, this is about actually putting that decision back in the hands of local decision makers. Mm-hmm. What is wrong with that? What is wrong with putting that decision back? Into the hands of local decision makers. Well, they didn't it didn't
0: sneak is, in through the back door when over five hundred people marched in Manawatu a couple of a few weeks well, ago. Well,
1: and the local decision makers listened to their community and they made a decision. It is the only aspect of representational review that is subject to a binding poll. Not anymore. You know. Well, well yeah. That, mm. That's that's what prefaced mm. the government's um, action around that. So, absolutely, I stand by. That government decision. What was the next one?
0: Uh, separate Māori health authority. Oh
1: well, again, we've got an issue there where you know our Māori community, not just our Māori community, but our Pacifica community as well, um, our rural communities. Actually, there is an equity there. The current model that's in place is not delivering for our Māori communities, mm. Be- and 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 really the focus on a separate Māori health. Uh, authority that has autonomy over the, the funding and commissioning opportunities therein is actually about ensuring that whānau hapū iwi are able to receive health care and services in a way that meets their needs.
0: I, get, I, 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 I don't think anyone's going to dispute the the, the facts, the, the reasons that you're doing these yep. things. And I don't think even the National Party are making that the big focus of this. What they're saying is we need more debate, we need more con- uh, consultation, we need to see more alternatives and make sure that what we're doing is right. I do remember uh, speaking to Ian McKelvey, uh, MP for Rangitikei. Um, and he was waiting for the bell as we spoke on the phone to go back into the House and vote on the Mallory Wards issue and he was saying, obviously there's an issue... I just feel this is being rushed through. We're not discussing this properly. I think it was put through under urgency, wasn't it, because of the time there restrictions. Was, yeah. So I think that's the focus. I mean, And we can still go through and justify all these uh, things with water, land and infrastructure as well. But I think the point is the National Party don't feel there is enough debate, mm. consultation, discussion.
1: Well, what I would say to that is that all of these decisions, you know, the, the Māori wards one, you know, we've, we've, we've dealt with that um, But in terms of the Māori health with uh, some of the land issues and in terms of RMA reform as well, which was campaigned on, there is an absolute opportunity through the select committee process, not just for the opposition – Actually, the opposition have um, quite a fundamental role as part of the select committee process to be uh, teasing some of that stuff out. I mean, I reflect on the RMA reform that we're about... Well, we're currently embarking upon with an exposure draft out at the moment where members of the opposition, I understand, have made it very clear that they want to work together to get some good legislation and some good law. So while on the one hand they accept that these issues... um, are important and that we need to address them. On the other hand, they seem to want to stymie the, the progress that's being made. Mm. So I'm more interested and focused actually on engaging with our community um, locally and abroad as well around the country um, on how we can actually make the laws that we're proposing better mm-hmm. so that actually the Māori Health Authority is able to do its job in a better way that connects with the local communities. So but is
0: your response to the National Party that, you know, th- A lot of this discussion and and consultation and and building up the information to make a decision shouldn't be happening in the House. It should be happening in a select committee and around the country and National need to be on board with that and make what happens in the House more of a formality in terms of the finer points and then passing it.
1: No, not at all. I, I fundamentally believe that the role of an opposition is obviously to hold the government to account and they have an opportunity to do that through the questions that they ask of ministers in the house um, I invite you know listeners and anyone to reflect on the type of questions that have been asked uh, by 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 members in the House, and whether that's actually wanting to get some good accountability answers or whether it's around political point scoring. Mm. Um, so, there is absolutely a role in the House, and, and the House and the, the Parliament is, is supreme and sovereign in that sense. So, no, I'm not suggesting that National just simply need to, you know, not hold their accountability or the role of the opposition. Um, as their guiding light, uh, they will do what they need to do. But I'm focused actually on our side of the House, engaging with the community, being constructive, um, providing levels of accountability around rationales as to why we're, we're progressing things in the way that we wish to, mm. um, but also acknowledging that they're subject to the scrutiny of Parliament and that there's a role for the opposition, but also a role for our community to uh, play as part of that scrutiny process. I
0: wish I'd done a little bit more research before we started. I wonder what the real opposition are saying about this. Uh, David Seymour. Uh, in the ACT Party, um, have they been vocal on this at all? And have they picked a side on whether to demand the debate or just accept what's happening?
1: Look, I mean, you know, the, the ACT Party play a role in opposition. I, I have to say that my observation is that they they seem to be quite a um, between the two that they they're taking their role quite seriously. Um, you know, they they use the opportunity in the house uh, last week or the week before all their questions were directed towards their leader about mm-hmm. one of his own private members bill. Um maybe there's an opportunity I might get some questions about my private member's bill. Um but no look, I I mean, you know, that's a that's a matter for act. They they've yeah. That's a matter for them. Um, very quickly, we've got a couple of minutes left. I saw that
0: it's not stuff's best headline, I have to say. Uh, MP pumps for bigger picture consideration of three waters reform. This kind of ties into what we've been talking about as well with the the, the water and, and the infrastructure. Yeah, um, yeah just basically you standing by this new model that the, the government is proposing. The, the four authorities, the South Island largely being one authority, but that mm. you know that's across every sort of agency at the moment. Um, Still lots of people saying more questions than answers with regards to the Three Waters reform. Yeah,
1: look, and of course yesterday, you know, um, at the local government New Zealand conference, Minister um, Nanaia Mahuta was there, the Prime Minister in her speech, um, you know, touched on uh, the Three Waters and and water reform. So the the picture, I guess, in terms of the information is getting clearer Mm -hmm. for... Four people. Um, that headline came as a result of my visit to Nelson, um, visiting s- locals down there and talking about Three Waters. Um, look, it's very clear that we need to do things differently. And yes, locally here in Palmerston North, the, the local council seems to be on board with the Three Waters programme. But, but not up in Northland. Well, and there are a couple of other pockets as well. But actually, when we look at the, the figures... Even in those areas where there may have been upgrades, and I appreciate that there are places where they're saying, well, we've already upgraded our wastewater. Why would we want to Mm. carry the costs of of other ratepayer areas? The long-term figures in all cases are more beneficial if we move to this regional model. It doesn't matter how much local authorities have invested in upgrading their existing infrastructure in the water space, all councils still be better off. Um, and, you know, the headline for me was more focused, that story actually, is more focused on people need to look at the bigger picture here. Mm-hmm. New Zealand, as you know, is relatively small compared with other places around the world. And so if we're purely just going to focus on our own backyard, actually that is going to be to the detriment of our country as a whole. Um, and we all were really disappointed where deaths resulted out of Havelock North. Mm-hmm. Well, if things don't change and there isn't a minimum standard, not just for drinking water standards, but in terms of what we do with our stormwater, how we treat and discharge um, and dispose of our wastewater, then we're not going to get to that place where we all want to be. There we go. Tangi mama
0: parimata o Thank you for joining us on the
1: Catch Up this morning. Thank you. And I won't be talking with you next week no. because I am actually going to take a week off. So um, am I. And there you go. So um, last week of the school holidays, Good to check. There we go. Uh if you want to listen to this
0: or previous editions of the catch-up series, head to the website npr.nz forward slash show forward slash catch up. Support this show and others like it by giving a donation. For more information, go to ww.mpr.nz forward slash donate.